0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. It's uh, Alan Berry Labucan, and uh, we've got one of our uh, another of our CEO interviews. And uh, today I've got a company called Galantis. Uh, G A L is their stock symbol. Um, what they've got going is a, a project in Ireland. And I've only ever covered one company in Ireland. It was Dalradian. I started covering it at 25 cents and it was ultimately bought out. So the luck of the Irish has been pretty good to me. And uh, uh, these guys had some news out uh, just recently that caught my attention. That news was that they um, were doing some underground drilling and uh, and some surface drilling. And they hit some uh, very nice grades. And um, so... I talked about them on one of the In the News shows. Mario Stefano reached out to me on Twitter to thank me for that coverage. So I invited him onto a show and here we have Mario Stefano, the CEO of Galantis. Thanks for joining me, Mario.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for inviting me. Look, I'm, re- I'm really happy that you covered us. And you know, as you highlighted, you know we think we have a great and outstanding project in Northern Ireland. Uh, you must have been one of the early followers of Dalridian, which is a great success story. Uh, it was bought by Orion, a private equity fund out of New York, for almost $550 million Canadian in 2018. So um, at much lower gold prices than we are today, it's it's a world-class asset. You know, when... when um, Orion bought Dalradian. My understanding was they had over 6 million ounces. They continue to drill. And what we hear is there's significantly more ounces than uh, what they had in 2018. So definitely a world-class asset. And we're only about 25 miles away from Dalradian on the exact same trend, exact same structure. You know, these major faults, uh, and I'm not a geologist for those that know me, these major faults, um, and this was news to me because I had no idea that Newfoundland and and the island of Ireland, all the way into Scotland, were one big landmass. And these major faults now run from Newfoundland all the way to Ireland and Northern Ireland and into Scotland. And you now have some significant discoveries on these faults that really weren't explored in the past. So Dalradian was the very first one, which is now a world-class asset. As I mentioned, we're 25 miles away. And then looking into Newfoundland, with newfound gold in their Queensway project, another potential world-class asset, that Eric Sprott has put tremendous money into. Um, yeah, I, I think it's gotta be at least now hundred million based on all well, this just put, past uh, finances. Four, yeah, exactly. 48
0: million in the other day. I talked yeah. about it Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly.
1: Sale. Exactly, so it must be a, over a hundred million that he's put into the various placements with the flow-throughs that I've noticed. Uh, and Eric Sprott is our uh, second largest shareholder um, at, at Galantis, and I think the reason for that is the recognition that there's potential for multiple world-class assets on these major faults. And I've mentioned it many times, when you found Goldwyn public and you look at their presentation, they always talk about Dalridian rocks and Dalridian and what they felt was in Newfoundland. And now I'm trying to remind everyone that really hey. this all started in Northern Ireland and what you've invested in. So you're, you're, you're a pioneer in this, I guess. <laughs> um, and um, so, you know, I wanna remind everyone that Galantis has exact same geology, exact same potential, but what distinguishes us, I think, from all the other juniors, because you know you, we just noticed as well, and you mentioned just a few seconds ago that Eric Spraw put another $48 million into newfound gold, which is great, it's supportive, but the junior market is tough at times, and we're always hoping we're financing at higher and higher prices, but the world doesn't always work that way. So I think what's going to be different with Galantis is because of the significant amount of work and effort that was done to get this project permitted, uh, get it ready for production, and we're, we're you know, months away from getting uh, production out of Galantis and we're financed, we raised $8 million in May. The goal now for Galantis and our shareholders will be to use the cash flow from production to reinvest back into exploration. So we're, So we are no longer going to dilute our existing shareholders And just as importantly, if anyone buys Galantis in the market, they're not going to have to worry about, you know, two weeks later after a good drill hole that we're going to raise five, $10 million and dilute them down. Uh, And I think that should give shareholders, you know, quite a bit of comfort that we're well-financed. And if we execute on our plan, we won't need to raise additional capital. And, you know, if a scenario comes that we need to raise additional capital, I really hope that's not going to be the case, but the first call I'm ever going to make is to Melcourt and, Uh, Mike Gentile, um, and Eric Sprott, uh, and ask them to exercise their warrants, which are existing. Um, They're at 40 cents, and if they get exercised, that brings in another 11 million. So again, even in in a scenario where we we need capital, and I hope that's not the case, I'm hoping it's going to come from from the existing capital structure. So again, anyone buying in the market today doesn't have to fear uh, that we're going to have to do a capital raise in the coming months.
0: Gotcha. So... Um, what makes these kind of projects very exciting uh, and challenging is that these uh, faults are crustal faults, so they go very, very deep. Yep. And what those faults create is a weakness in the rock that allows the fluids that contain the gold to come up those faults. And they're like the plumbing system or the conduit to, um, to that. And as they get close to surface, oftentimes there's cross faults, okay? And um, so what makes it challenging is there's, it's complex faulting that goes to this high-grade mineralization. These fluids make their way up the conduit, then they kind of spread out. And so, for example, one of the most famous ones right now is the Fosterville Mine, their Swan Zone. Uh, and, uh, but that project was in production for 20 years before they went, cause they, I, I, one time I heard a friend of mine, I talked to a geologist friend from back East and he said, back then, well, the problem with Newfoundland is that there's lots of high grade gold but nobody's ever had it hang together. Uh, now, Newf- Newfound Gold has changed that but the reason that it's hard to hang together is because of this complex faulting. So complex is actually good in this case. Uh, those deep faults are very good in this case. And as you said, those faults, when, the, when uh, Ireland and that part of Europe were connected to North America, that same fault that goes through what's got everybody excited in Newfoundland, also extends up into Ireland. And that's why they've been talking about that. I think they probably talk more about uh, the Swan Zone now in Fosterville, Uh, but that really made Kirkland Lake into a massive winner. So, um, you know, I'm really paying attention to what's happening in Newfoundland. And, uh, you know, I had good success in the past with uh, the spotting, Uh, well, what, what, what made me figure out Dalradian was uh, Patrick Anderson um, ran the company, and he had made a good big discovery with Aurelian. Of course, and yep. even before he made that discovery with Aurelian, he was involved in diamonds, and I had a long history of diamond exploration <laughs> uh, in my career, and so all of these signals started coming up, and. And that's what I think I'm finding with you guys. And now what makes it quite interesting for you guys, different than the newfound gold stories is they're all drilling from the uh, surface to catch these veins and these pods of super high grade. You guys have underground uh, 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 ability to drill from underground making yep. it a lot easier and a lot cheaper to catch these, uh, these kind of systems.
1: Exactly. And, and again, I'm not a geologist, but so I look at things a little bit more on a macro level. And when I looked at DalRidian, already, and I did talk to Patrick Anderson before I took on the role, and if you know us on our advisory board, Tim Warman is uh, one of our advisors. I'm really lucky to have him. Tony McCooch from uh, obviously Kirkland Lake is one of our advisors. Uh, so I'm really lucky to have some extraordinarily smart people around us um, but what really when you looked at Dalradian and I don't know how many veins they have now, but when they put the resource together and it's north of 6 million, we know that for a fact, uh, there was 26 veins um, and it wasn't until Dalradian started, you know, drilling a little bit deeper, they start getting some better grades and better wits. But these veins, these veins do hold together and when you look at Galantis, you know, we've identified 16 veins to date. Uh, really, eight have only been drilled, and only two have really been drilled with 20,000 meters, and the rest of the, you know, three to four thousand meters have been drilled at the remaining veins. So very sporadically drilled, but we are finding a number of veins here. And you know, to your point, from the underground drilling, number one, our costs are going to be lower. I'm a I'm a finance guy, so anything that keeps us efficient is going to be beneficial. But um, veins that we are able to identify that can be accessed by additional drifting. For example, Joshua, we're drilling from surface, but it's only about 200 meters away from the underground workings. So once we get a little bit more confident on Joshua, we're just gonna drift over. You know, there's targets to the north of the Kearney vein where the majority of the development is. Currently, again, about 150 meters away, there's a target that Rio Tinto identified in the 80s uh, from surface auger drilling. They call it panjar drilling, but uh, really it was just to get to the hard rock over the burden, overburden and same thing. We're going to do a bit of drilling there at some point, uh, and then maybe drift uh, from underground and start drilling from underground once we prove that there's additional targets. But you know, when you look at Galantis and even De for that fact, but it's a private company. But when you look at Galantis, I think the one additional differentiating feature for us, apart from you know getting ready to go in production and hopefully generating cash flow to reinvest in exploration, is we have a massive land package. So because we're effectively the first movers in Northern Ireland, you know, we don't have 30 juniors competing against, you know, um, these various faults. We, we locked it up between ourselves and Dalridian. And I think that's gonna be a big, big value add if you take a big picture and you think, you know, three, five, 10 years out, because whether it's Newfound Gold or Labrador or any of the other companies in Newfoundland, at some point they're gonna consolidate. And you look at the big camps of the world, uh, whether it's Timmins, Kirkland Lake, um, you know, Valdor, a lot of these companies are always competing against junior. So you are never able to really get the full synergies of controlling a camp. We, we're going to control it between ourselves and Dalridian um, and two companies that are focused on high grade gold. We're both going to be producing a concentrate. Um, so we're fully permitted. Uh, we are producing a concentrate and shipping that out to, uh, into Europe, uh, Ocean Partners as our offtake agreement. You know, they're great supporters. They participate in the last financing. Uh, but Dalradian, in their permitting process, as well has decided to produce a concentrate, uh, which, again, provides overall synergies in the district, which I think is to be beneficial for shareholders in the long run.
0: Well, you know, you, you brought up a good point there, and uh, that was about the drifting. I live in Mexico, a place called Zacatecas, And uh, there's a famous mine that's called uh, Milagros, a miracle in uh, Spanish. And um, they had uh, two veins that came to surface. And uh, then they drifted between those two veins and to connect them underground. And when they drifted through, they hit a spectacular vein that was like if wow. you calculated in today's dollars, it would have been like worth 350000 dollars a ton kind of
1: rock. Oh, geez. <laughs> so <laughs> you know that's what's the in there. <laughs> that's
0: what's interesting about these vein systems is yeah. sometimes they're found by accident. And yeah. uh, or you drill through a vein and then you keep going a little bit and all of a sudden you hit alteration. And yep. you know, okay, well, I can't stop now that I'm in alteration. Yep. You keep going, and that alteration leads you to another vein. Yep. That's what these clusters of veins are like. Yep. That, um, you know, some can be found by accident. It's exactly. It's really exciting that you have one that you can... You're only 200 meters to drift out to it. So, yeah. um, that brings up the point. Let's talk a little bit about the, why you have those underground workings and the history of the project.
1: Sure. No, that, that's, um, that's a great question. Um, so, Galantis took a slightly different strategy to Dalridian. And I think this is the key difference between the two companies. Dalridian really focused purely on exploration. And our former CEO, who's still a big shareholder, uh, Roland Phelps uh, wanted to get this asset in production. He had a small-scale mine in Wales um, and wanted to get the, this current project into production. So the company did do a small open pit. Around 30,000 ounces were produced. Um, so a mill is on site. And when the ore was, um, was mined out at the open pit, the, the plan was to transition to underground. So a lot of effort and money was raised to develop the mine from underground. And that's where where you're going to get the uh, two kilometers of underground development uh, put in place so again the project was thoroughly permitted but an issue arose and those who understand Northern Ireland could understand the sensitivities around this but there was an issue that arose around permitting for blasting it wasn't something that was required in the past but uh, the Department of Justice uh, was looking for a permit to handle blasting material in Northern Ireland so as a result of that um, the company had to put the mine under care and maintenance in order to get the blasting permit. And that took a couple of years and already, for example, is talking to us on uh, you know how, how to get a blasting permit uh, just because, again, I do not get too much detail, but I'm sure, you know, listeners could understand the sensitivities in Northern Ireland around blasting. So that put the company under care and maintenance and put the company under tremendous financial stress. So from 2019 really couldn't raise any money a lot of the underground workings even prior to that in in the in the mine I'll call it on a shoestring budget so when we took over in May uh, with the new management team myself and and Brendan Morris and and our on-site personnel you know we got a new mine manager geotechnical engineer a lot of our effort was was focused on rehabilitating the underground workings because unfortunately when it was put on care and maintenance uh, a lot of the shotcrete wasn't done the bolting screen that should have been put in place because mines really aren't meant, especially when you drift over to a face, they're not meant to be open for two years. So we had to go back and rehabilitate the mine. Then we also had to rehabilitate uh, the equipment. There was a lot of old equipment there. We had to acquire new equipment. Uh, we had to get some fans so the mine is properly ventilated. And then we're, we've been spending time, we're still finalizing it now, but we should be done hopefully in the coming weeks, a mine plan um, because we wanted to make sure now that we got more information, You know, different gold price environment, that we put in place a real mine plan to get this operation up and running, and 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 one thing that we're going to do um, is we're going to do this small scale and just ramp up, you know, um, whether it's every six months, twelve months, eighteen months, two years, we're going to try and internally finance this, and this is going to be really important. Again, I'm going to mention this so many times because you know, I've almost been handed a gift here when it comes to an exploration company, where I'm gonna have cash flow. And I've been in exploration, you know, Lakeshore went from exploration to commercial production. We put uh, uh, Timmins uh, into productions, Timmins West, Thunder Creek, which is now still a part of Timmins West, Bell Creek, but we we're always trying to raise money when we we're getting into that phase. When I was CFO of Ivernia- Mario, we earlier stuff. we
0: were wondering why you recognized my face? Yeah lakeshore was one of my picks and i picked it right before the takeover Uh, and i was on BNN.
1: ah maybe that's where okay (laughs) when we when we first connected so that's great so so i understand the sensitivities around exploration companies having to raise capital so our our plan is to get this up to 200 tons per day the mill in the past has done 400 tons per day but what's unique about glantis is again i know you're a geologist but Um, The ore is very clay. So I guess what I understood is with the thrust and the the folding uh, and the crushed breccias, maybe the water, um, (laughs) because anyone who's been to Ireland and Northern Ireland, there's a lot of rainfall there. So it's it's actually a very clay material. We think as you get deeper, you'll get your traditional quartz vein, but the quartz veins have been crushed. So it jams up the mill. Um, so that's why we, I'm confident we can do 200 tons per day. I'm not confident we can do 400 tons per day without doing some upgrades, whether it's you know additional crushing or floats, uh, float, you know adding to the flotation circuit. But our plan is to get to 200 tons per day, assess it, then get to maybe 400 tons per day. If I need you know half a million, a million dollars to invest to upgrade the mill, we'll do that. Get you know consistent cash flow from there, then plan to go whether it's 500, 750 tons per day. Um, so, I'm going to do this in a very staged, managed approach so we don't have to dilute. And I met some guys from K92 in Papua New Guinea, uh, and they're telling me that's exactly what they did. That's why their share price is at $7. Well, you know, they, they try getting to get back small to scale Foster, production to ramp up. Sorry. Getting
0: back to Fosterville, that's what they did for 20 yep. years until someone drilled deeper. Yeah. And that's when they found the swan zone. So, even though you've had to go through some challenging periods, yep. that challenging period sets the stage for, for today. you guys to potentially have massive success because one of the big problems with trying to find these small zones of super high grade, we call them jewelry boxes, is that tagging it from surface and then drilling it off from surface So that you know what you have is difficult, but Fosterville and Swan, the Swan Zone, was much easier because they had all those underground workings that gave them just they just had to drill a little bit to tag and follow those jewelry boxes.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's exactly it. Like Swan Zone would not have been discovered if it was drilled from surface. I mean, it would have been or you know it would have taken tremendous amount of luck. Uh, but you're right, when, when you're underground, you start to see things, you start to understand the geology, you're actually seeing it with your eyes, you're not seeing core, you know, one or two inch diameter, you're, you're seeing the rocks, the geologists get a better sense of the interpretation of what's happening underground. Um, and, you know, these veins, and you've alluded to it many times, are going to go down to the bowels of the earth, right? they're going to be there as deep as we want to drill. And at, the more we drill, the more likely we are to find more and more gold you know, we, we do have half a million ounces in, in all categories, uh, you know, quite a bit is still inferred, um, at over seven grams and less than 20, 25,000 meters of drilling. So, um, you know, we, we created a lot of ounces with very few drill holes. And I think the more we drill, I think we're going to continue to find more and more gold within the existing veins that we discovered. Plus, as you alluded to, you know, these veins that we're going to find as we continue to drill what is known. So, our last drill result where we got the 17.7 grams over two and a half meters, that, that's actually a new structure right next to the Kearney vein. Uh, and it lined up with some other holes that we really couldn't see. But now that we got this third intercept in there, it's clear that this is another stringer vein now. So yeah,
0: see, that's the, the what we we're gonna get. Uh, these networks of veins, you, you drill through them sometimes, you hit alteration, you keep going, you find another one. Yep. Uh, and then the yep. trick is to keep following them down and yep. you know you uh what you're describing there is sort of the way that a lot of mining companies grew into mining companies they would start a mine they would have some ounces ahead of them yeah, and then they would keep drilling to keep the ounces coming in ahead of the the mine exactly. uh reaching those ounces so um, you know, that's uh, quite an exciting business model you guys are working on. It's how a lot of companies um, uh, uh, used to be made into mining companies. Um, you, you're following a, a, a path uh, to success that has been followed before. Yep. Uh, and you, you have that uh, sex appeal of the, uh, you know, orogenic system that... Yep. Um, a swarm of veins, you know there's big mines around you, Dalradian has one, as you said, 20 miles down the road. Um, so it's, uh, it's got, you know, that growth potential of a new miner, plus the, uh, the potential for um, banging some holes into jewelry boxes. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you can use your cash flow, as you said, to reach those uh, jewelry boxes. But, you know, when you've tagged the kind of gold that you have, those systems, those veins go down a long, long way. For example, in Red Lake, Ontario, they had to go down uh, over a kilometer and then they hit the jewelry boxes. and yep, exactly. And that made uh a gold corp at one time the lowest cost producer of gold in the world
1: yep no exactly and you know when, when lakeshore went in production now that you i know you covered and, and and recommended lakeshore we appreciate that tremendously but you know when we went into production the the most valuable asset in many respects was the bell creek mill because lakeshore would not have been lakeshore wouldn't have gotten taken out for one half billion by Tahoe without that mill, and the reason for that is that mill allowed the company to start small-scale mining. And in the Lakeshore's case, it was thousand tons per day, and that was going to come from the Timmins West project. Now the unfortunate part with Lakeshore, and God, I must have raised seven hundred million dollars at Lakeshore as CFO, and you know whether it was from royalties with uh, Franco Nevada to traditional equity convertibles, but the difficulty we had at Lakeshore, and Tony always say it, you know. Um, God put the gold in the ground, and we really don't know until we start mining it. And the unfortunate part was when we started mining the veins near surface, the grade was not the eight grams, it was much lower than that. So uh, we had to figure out a way to continue to grow and expand the mill and mine um, in, in wider zones and get more tons out of the ground to make it economic. And obviously, it was. But that mill was critical for us because it allowed us to start the mining and generate the cash flow and get it financed. Um, when you look at some of these big, massive projects, great discoveries. You know, for I'll use copper as an example. You know, you can get a billion, two billion ton project, but really you're at the mercy of Rio Tinto or BHP or one of the other majors to buy you out, because no junior could easily raise five billion dollars in today's world to develop a mine. It's just it's extraordinarily difficult. Look at what Rio Tinto is having with my, in um, with, with um, uh, Mongolia. sorry the one in mongolia um you know the, the amount of capital required is significant that juniors can't really do it anymore so really what you're doing is you're exploring for the big guys to take you out and you're in your hands and knees praying that they're going to take you out in our case i think the difference is going to be because we're going to be able to generate cash flow and if you look at one of the slides in our presentation i try to lay out you know we're at a 30 million dollar market cap range scott gold um which is in scotland is that $80 million and they're in production a little bit ahead of us, but because if you factor in our warrants, we got hundred million shares outstanding and that'll bring in another 11 million. And just to be clear, if those warrants get exercised as we move up that value chain and not having to ex- issue additional shares. So for example, if we get to a hundred million dollar market cap because we're, we're finding more ounces, we're generating cash flow. you know, very quickly, your shares go from, you know, the, the 40 cent range to a dollar. Um, and if, if you move up to the range, up to Marathon Gold or DalRadium, which got taken out at 500 million because they found 6 million ounces, if we can get to those levels without diluting, the share price appreciation is significantly levered, not only to the gold price, but to success. And I think that's going to be the key difference because we're not going to be begging for capital like a lot of the other juniors because, you know, we are doing it in many respects the old way, which is small scale mining. Put your cash back into the ground to develop bigger resources. And, and really, you know, this gift has been handed to us because of the significant work that Roland and the prior management team put into getting this permanent in into production. So our goal now is to really leverage that work to drill um, and produce cash flow. And people that know Galantis, you know, there were quite a few companies that have tried to acquire Galantis. And Roland Phelps, to his credit, turned them all down because everyone's strategy was to shut everything down and drill, 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 which is the Canadian way. There's no doubt about it. That's the way we do things in Canada. And Roland kept saying, no, no, I've spent, you know, 10 years trying to get it to this position where we're gonna generate cash flow. I don't want this shut down. I don't want all the effort of getting the permits in place to be completely forgotten and having to start over again. So when we came in with with Ocean Partners, and by the way, Dory Copper looked at this and I'm the chairman of Dory Copper, similar strategy, right? We got a, we got a mill um, that we recognized that no one else did as being the key asset. And this is coming from my lakeshore days and using that asset to really look for old gold and you know, Corner Bay now, for example, is 7 million tons over, which doesn't sound like a lot, but at the grade it's 1.2 million ounces at over almost five and a half grams if you use spot prices so uh we looked at galantis with dory copper because ocean partners is one of our larger shareholders at dory copper and they said you gotta look at this asset but same kind of scenario um roland at the time just wasn't ready he he really wanted to try and get into production um himself and raise the capital but a window approached and roland i think was getting a little bit tired he's been at it for quite some time he said look now's the time for me to hand it to a new management team but in order for him to hand over the keys, and he's still a consultant, obviously, a big shareholder, but in order for him to hand over the keys to a new management team, we pitched them with the idea of, look, we're, we're gonna leverage all the work, great work that you guys have done here from community relations to uh, the permitting, get this into production and explore. So we're gonna do the dual strategy, not just one strategy. And, and I think well, it really- I, that idea. I really
0: like that game plan, you know, because, normally if you're trying to build it to get down there and do it that way there's a lot of capex you've already got the underground working so why not extend those and that's exactly what happened at fosterville and you've got that sex appeal to find swan zones down there so i like your business plan um we're getting a little close on time here um before i let you go Let's talk a little bit about what you think about gold. I, I man, I you know, I look at the valuations of the stocks out there on Wall Street. They're stretched to historic highs. Yeah. The cash printing is going through the roof. 40% of the cash that's ever been printed has happened in the last year in the United States. Yeah. Debt is through the roof. The Federal Reserve can't raise interest rates even if they wanted to. And now inflation is starting to kick in. So I think we're in a perfect storm for gold to go higher. Yeah. What do you think?
1: I, I, I agree with you 100%. Almost all my investments are in the precious metal space and base metal space because exactly for that reason, I think we're in, we're in a, a long-term inflationary environment. Um, and I'll give you some, a couple of examples. I was just in San Diego. Um, so I lived in San Diego for about five years. I'm back in Toronto. So I went down for Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, and I ordered food from a restaurant uh, that, you know, my son loves this restaurant. Uh, It's called Luna Grill. It doesn't really matter. But I ordered it from Uber Eats end of June uh, to um, middle part of October. The prices went up 20%. And I'm assuming it's a factor of the oil. And I'm assuming it's a factor of food prices, chicken, obviously, wages, all of it. 20% 20% in three months, right, which is, which is quite tremendous if you really think about inflation. And I'm going to give you one other example about what's happening with inflation. And this is completely out of the blue. just happened um, yesterday. My wife um, is building these, um, let's call it uh, craft. She's doing some crafting, and you need it speckled. It's almost like uh, what you use for, for uh, you know, fixing drywall. Right. And she bought something about four months ago for $45. It's a big tub of this stuff, so she can do her crafts. She went to go buy it yesterday, and it's $75 at Home Depot, Amazon, within four months. I guess it's the shipping backlog. And she said, like, why am I gonna buy it? Basically, doubled in price for my crafting. She's gonna wait and see if it comes down in price. I'm not so sure it's gonna come down in price. So so you know, even though the Fed is saying it's 5% inflation, I'm, I, you know, my instinct is it's significantly higher than that. In one part of California, I think near Big Sur, which is south of San Francisco, uh, the, the gas hit seven fifty dollars 50 a gallon. Like at that, 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 that's crazy, right? Right before COVID hit and, and the downturn of the COVID, it was down to $2.50 a gallon, even in California. So that, that really will highlight how our pocketbooks are being hit. So our standard living is going down significantly. People don't realize it yet. May see that their house prices is going up. That's all what relative. Do
0: do? Your wife did. She her stuff cost for 40, 45 <laughs> went to 75. People notice.
1: Yeah, I know they do. exactly. Our standard living is going down. And people see wealth going up because their house might be going up in Canada or the US or anywhere else. But it's all relative because asset values are going up, but our wages aren't going to be keeping up at 10, 15% increase. I'm, I didn't get a 15, 20% increase. I'm not sure about you, but I definitely did not. <laughs> right. So, so we know our wages <laughs> are all going to get hit. Uh, you know, we're going to have to make money on our investments, which is what we're all on this call for, uh, because we see the value of gold and precious metals and commodities, because I think that's really where the asset values are going to really appreciate is in this inflationary environment. And I read somewhere, don't ask me where I read it, but during the, um, the uh, oil crisis back in the 70s, and oil went up, You know, I can't remember what it hit back then, 70, 80 dollars a barrel. And, and I think it was Iran that said, the reason why gold went up is because, uh, it wasn't because of inflation per se, it was because the devaluation of the Western currencies. So why are they gonna sell their oil for 40, $50 a barrel, $20 a barrel back then, when what they could buy with that $20 a barrel has gone down significantly as they get US dollars, right? Because inflation is going up. So of course their oil prices are gonna go up. Of course gold prices are gonna go up because in order the cost to get out of the ground is gonna go up and the, 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 the incentive to hold gold in these kind of environments is gonna be much higher. Same thing with copper, same thing with all commodities. They're gonna to continue to go up. And even housing, I think is gonna go up, even if interest Actually,
0: rates you up, I think housing is gonna go up. Mario, that I think that um, we're going to go back to what's important, which is because for a long time, there was tremendous efficiencies because of this. You could get a product from China and land it on the door in a matter of days. Yep. Now that that supply chain is broken because people don't want to work for that kind of money. So What that's going to cause is the building and making of things are gonna come back to the domestic co- production. And when that happens, there's gonna be a tremendous amount of need for raw materials, And I really think the Fed is painted into a corner that they can't fight inflation by raising interest rates. You've got so much debt, you know, you exactly. pump up a one or 2% increase and that slows everything down. The only way they're gonna The only tool they have left is to try to grow their way out of this situation and to grow their way out of this situation. One example is with all these electric vehicles, they're going to need to upgrade their ancient uh, uh, electrical system, which is in vast need. So that might be the infrastructure where in the past it was road building now it might be rewiring the the country and, the and building things domestically so if growth if they if they can't raise interest rates that's positive for the price of gold if yeah. inflation is kicking in that's pretty positive for the price of gold but if they try to grow their way out of it they're going to need a lot of raw materials so uh robert friedland called it the revenge of the miners
1: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and exactly. I think that's, <laughs> that's- there's gonna be huge investment in infrastructure to move us into the modern era. Um, but at the same time, you know, your, your point about not wanting to work for those wages. The reason for that is inflation and um, I, I think well, I read it's twofold.
0: It's inflation and the governments are making it so that you don't have to go to work because
1: they're exactly. giving you money. Exactly. And. And and the problem, I think, the U.S. and I'm sure this is all over the world, but maybe more highlighted in the United States. And I think China is trying to correct it a little bit, with, based on some of their policies recently. But something like the top 400 uh, wealthiest Americans in the '50s, which I'm sure would have been, you know, old industrialists, oil barons, own something like 20% of the wealth of the United States. Today, the top 400 Americans own 80% of the wealth of the United States. So basically, it's moving to an oligarchy. So you got to think of the Elon Musks, the Zuckerbergs, the Bezos, all the, the big tech barons rather than oil barons. Let's call them tech barons now, really control the vast wealth of the United States. So even though things look like the stock market's going up, you know the vast majority of Americans really aren't enjoying this increase of overall wealth. Yes, your home prices are going up. But again, if you sell your and house, maybe you your mutual house.
0: funds are going out, but they're yeah. so diversified that, yeah. you know, they hardly like I, keep up with the market.
1: You know, living in California, um, I got to tell you the amount of people that lived hand to mouth, even though they're making, you know, 300 grand a year. Uh, it, it's just, no one is really saving a lot of money. I have a friend of mine down there who would make up to, you know, $400,000 US and he had very little savings. He was doing that for the last you know, 20 years and I, I would scratch my head, but the reason for that is by the time you, you know, your golf memberships to your Porsches, to everything else, great consumption of, of goods in the United States, but no wealth creation other than your principal home. But again, it's relative because if you sell your house, unless you go to a much lower cost environment, whether it's Mexico or, you know, some of the Midwest US, you don't really create net wealth. So, so you know, gold, 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 precious metals, Commodities is the place to go. Is is you know I'm seeing it on the macro level. Revenge of oh, the miners, right? The mine, the revenge of the miners. I'm going to yeah. mention that to Robert. I, I still chat with Robert, because obviously with like my Cordoba days and the revenge of the miners. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him to if I can consistently use that in my yeah, presentation. Well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, <laughs> definitely coming.
0: <laughs> well, All right. let's Thank wrap you. it up, uh, Mona. But uh, you know, I uh, I'm really impressed with your business model. I'm really impressed with where you are in Northern Ireland and that 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 structural story, and the lining your way down to looking for those jewelry boxes, and don't forget those accidental discoveries can happen. Like I talked to you about Milagros. <laughs> so, um, yeah. it was, was there anything I didn't I didn't ask you that you want to get out there, Mario?
1: No, I think, I think we covered it all. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to do another interview. I'm sure you might get some questions and I'm always happy to get on this. I love chatting about the project. Look, I'm, I'm just a spokesperson. It's really the people on the ground, the geologists, the operators that do the real work. Um, and, you know, I, I've got a great team around me and uh, I'm really just trying to get the story out there to make people understand, as you just pointed out, that I think we got a great story developing at Galantis. And let's not forget all the history all the significant effort that's been done to get us to this position, and I've—I'm lucky that I've inherited uh, a lot of this now that I can help execute a, what I think is going to be a really strong strategy to create shareholder value.
0: Well, luck is a product of preparation mm-hmm. and uh, and good timing. So, like, yeah, uh... and, and the island
1: that we are on, the island of Ireland, somehow generates a lot of luck for people. <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I—I I do. I, now I remember. What's pending? You got. Are, are you guys working on some drilling? Do you have anything in yes. the lab? Should we be looking yeah. forward to some news?
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we've got, um, we're doing a 4,000 meter drill program. The first two holes have been drilled. We should get some more assays, hopefully in the next two to three weeks, another dr- set of drill results. Uh, we'll have a mine plan out, hopefully uh, before the end of the year, indicating you know what, what we plan to produce over the next 12 months. Um, we should have some results from geophysics. We did a, you know, there's just so much to talk about here, as as we're that well, This is going on longer than, than I'm sure we've ever done before. But oh you
0: know, no, I've done hour-long interviews. Oh, okay, but, okay. I, f-
1: I feel bad. Oh, I'm, but, I'm tying uh, you up. no geophysics I, has been done here, even though there's sulfides since the 80s, right? Uh-huh. No one has ever run geophysics here. So we did two test areas. We'll get those results out. We're processing the data, and then we're probably going to do a much wider area for geophysics here as well, so we can start identifying a number of these targets because no real work has been done on what is likely a significant camp.
0: Awesome. Well, it looks like you got a lot of news ahead of you. So we'll definitely do this again. I've really enjoyed the conversation, Mario. Thank you you for joining us and uh, telling my audience about what you're doing. It's got, uh, it's got the all the earmarks of my Dalradian getting in early days and, uh, And really, the Fosterville Swan Zone, you know, mining Fosterville down to open up that uh, jewelry box. So uh, thanks again, Mario, for coming on.
1: Knock on wood, I just did that we'll find a few of those jewelry boxes here.
0: (laughs) Ah, you got the luck of the Irish on your side. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, I'm going to close it off. All right, Um, thank you. uh, There you go, folks. Galantis, um, following in the footsteps of some... um, you know, the old mining where you would uh, mine your way to to keep drilling ahead of yourself, um, following in the footsteps of Dalradian, a big success that I identified very early. Hopefully I'm doing it again here with Galantis. And that Fosterville mine plan, mining your way down and then opening it up some jewelry boxes. And, the structural story that has everybody excited over in Newfoundland extends into Ireland. And uh, that's what they're drilling on, that's what they're building. And so that's that's really a perfect scenario for making a discovery um, of these high grade, massively profitable kind of uh, uh, deposits. And uh, so the company has 74 million shares out, $31 million valuation, you know, uh newfound Gold has a billion and a half because they might, that because of what they found, you know, these guys could find something just as spectacular. So there you go. Uh, my shows are uh, for information purposes only. It's important to do your homework and speak with your financial advisors before making any investment decisions. And I stress, do your homework. Go to this, this company's website, check out their, their information. I think you'll be impressed. Have a great day. Thank you very much.